Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Michael Marchuk. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Our guest on this episode is Umesh Srivastava, Chief Technology and Digital Innovation Officer at Clever Care Health Plan. We'll be chatting today about data-driven healthcare and the role of automation, AI, and machine learning. Welcome, Unmesh. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, I'm excited that you're here. Umesh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and share a little more about your background. Absolutely. My name is Unmesh Srivastava, currently serving as Chief Technology and Digital Innovation Officer for Clevercare Health Plan. I've been in healthcare for, I'd say, close to 15 years. I've worked in both large and small organizations. I've worked with United Health Group, Optum, Kaiser Permanente, and then worked with startups like P3 Health Partners, which grew into a public organization. And now with Clever Care Health Plan, my educational background is I'm a under, my undergrad is electronics and communication engineering. My master's was in engineering management. I'm an avid learner, so every year I go back to school and try to learn something new. And healthcare is near and dear to me, so very excited with all the work that I've done so far and what is ahead of us at Clever. Very nice, very nice. So with all the education, the only thing that's missing like French literature or something like that. You know that you covered quite the basis here. I know some Deutsch too, Michael. This will be in English today, so I appreciate you sticking with that one language. <laughs> so you're a big advocate for data-driven patient care. How can you leverage data to support the clinician's care for their patients? Data is at this point in the lives that we are living today and the times we are living today is probably the most critical. Like it's, I think it's more valuable than gold or anything else out there because data can inform better decisions. Data can also predict a lot of what is going to happen based off on trends and models. So I think data is super critical. Now, in context of healthcare, I think it's even more important. I think if we can use data and convert that into the right information and push it at the point of care, then it can really help clinicians to pretty much make more evidence-based, data-based clinical decisions. Example, if I'm a patient and I'm in front of my PCP and you can pop up a view which shows last three years of my clinical history, my historical diagnosis codes, my ER visits that I've had in the last six months to a year, all the medications I'm taking, all the pharmacy, like all the labs I've been to, my lab results, my vitals, right? There's so much data that is being generated on a day-to-day -day basis regarding my health. And if you can combine that in a simplistic view and present to my primary care or my specialist or for my next procedure, the physician will have a little bit more context around me as a whole person 
so that they can then align whatever care their care delivery they're going to provide to me in a better way. So I really feel like data is super critical to more informed decisions. And then data is also outside of just clinician purview can also be used for a lot of predictions on healthcare, on, on disease progression, on social interventions and things like that. So I feel like data is probably the most critical part of healthcare economy at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. But as you mentioned, we're awash in data, whether it's from the health information exchanges, pharmacies, labs, hospitals, your primary care physician, specialists, health plans, whatever they come in. There's a lot, right, of data out there, data sources out there. How can organizations use automation or other tools to be able to pull that information in to be able to do some of that review or consolidation. No, that's a great point you bring, Michael. And I can share my experience. The good thing these days is you've got standards like Fire 4.0. We are using Fire 4.0 sort of data models, which act as our native data models in which we can ingest data from multiple sources, whether it be clinical, whether it be claims, whether it be biometrics and so forth. So I think the need of a proper data operating system or data platform is critical. Now, as you said, there's different types of data in healthcare. You're going to receive data from PCPs, specialists, hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, LTACs, long-term acute care facilities, a lot of ADT feeds you get from hospitals to know admit discharge transfer, prior auth. There's tons of data that you that we are generating on a day-to-day -day basis. And there's definitely a need to ingest it. There are platforms like AWS, Azure, Microsoft Azure, GCP. Then there are specific platforms around Snowflake and Talent and a lot of these. So I think technology is there, but in, in healthcare, you need to have a team that really understands healthcare to really deploy these technologies. So in the past, the way I deal with it is you use a combination of you and just know 30% of healthcare data is unstructured. So you will get a lot of images and PDFs and, and soap notes in which there will be a lot of intelligence hidden. So from a data strategy perspective, you go about building a strong data operating system, data warehouse, whatever you call it, put the right team of resources who can automate those feeds coming in. And I think more importantly, if you are aggregating data from all these sources, you want to have a very clear error logging mechanisms built into your ETL jobs so that, because there's a lot of dirty data that you receive. So your, I think as techies, our job is to make sure we put the right barriers and right sort of checkpoints that that data doesn't enter our gold layer or our integration layer warehouse. And uh, that's what we've worked towards building out, but it's super critical to have that kind of data to really drive analytics and other informed decisions within the organization. That makes a lot of sense. So given the fact that some of this data is either hidden, a lot of it's unstructured, you mentioned, some of it could be either inaccurate or mistyped, dirty data, as you mentioned, how are AI and ML getting access to this data to be used for provider care? And where do you see that next wave of innovation? 
I think interoperability, as you said, there is unstructured data sitting. So from a technology perspective, AI and ML specifically, there's natural language processing, NLP, NLU is growing pretty fast. We use Amazon AWS product called Textract, which is at the point of inflection where we are ingesting unstructured data. And the great thing is it works out very handy to convert a lot of unstructured data into structured data or extracting core intelligence that we need from that. So Textract is a tool we are using, but there's a lot of other NLP technology that's out there to deal with unstructured data. So that was first first part of your question. How do you deal with unstructured data? The second part was the future of healthcare. Is that what you were looking for? Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, the next wave of innovation, because you mentioned stuff that's related to sort of text, pulling text out, but as we look at AI and ML, they're not just being used from a text and notes perspective, but also, as you mentioned earlier, some of the images and imagery that can be leveraged either by um, radiologists or whomever. They're coming as part of these data packages, if you will, for that particular patient. As we look at that, what kind of weight, what's the next wave of innovation that you see that are coming on the heels of the things that have already been built? There's a lot going on in healthcare right now, Michael. And I think data and and, uh, just AI is growing pretty fast, right? There's a lot of disease progression models that, that we are building out and that the healthcare world is building out where you can really predict how your, how the diseases will progress outside of just the clinical factors, right? There's a lot of social determinants data. There's a lot of clinical data and there's a lot of historical claims data combined. And when you run through the models, you can really predict if the current condition is is not managed, then where can this lead to? So a lot of disease progression models, a lot of dynamic risk stratification, which is already going on. But I really see like in the future, From a data and analytics perspective and AI perspective specifically, it really will be used to to have, because there's such a clinician shortage in our country right now. And I truly feel like AI will help do a lot of like triaging of the right patients, of the conditions that need to be addressed, as opposed to looking at a population as a whole. So I think that's where there will be a lot of lot of movement. But in general, like there's a lot going on in healthcare. Interoperability, as an example, right? You can't do AI if you don't have data and interoperability has been a big challenge in healthcare. So I personally feel in the future, interoperability will be mandatory. That's the thing. If you're a health system, you have to share the data. All, a lot of that is already out and it's already moving in a positive direction, but in future interoperability will be mandatory for organizations. The big part of healthcare right now is lack of transparency. You get all these bills and you don't know who to talk to, whether it's the insurance, whether it's your provider, who do like patients or members or individuals are confused because of lack of transparency in healthcare, which leads also there's we are like spending a lot of money in healthcare. So I think uh, price transparency is going to be something which will be central and it will be just like any other industry. I think constant, constant diagnosis, wearable devices is going to become more mainstream, right? You will have a patch that you can put on your body, which is constantly diagnosing you, constantly taking your key vitals, your data, and then pushing it back into some level, some kind of AI mechanism, which can really predict how you're doing and then what kind of interventions are required, whether it be from a nutrients perspective, whether it's going to be from a clinical perspective in general, right? A continuous monitoring will be 
more mainstream in the future. Cancer, last decade was really all about diabetes and chronic CHF, heart disease. Cancer is, I really feel this decade will really be dedicated on, on fixing a lot of problems with cancer, right? Proactive elimination of cancer cells, correcting gene mutations, things like that, manufacturing antibodies. I, I think that will be something which will become more centralized. And also I feel like genomics right now is great stuff that we all hear about, but it's not democratized. But I think in the next decade, genomics will be a little bit more mainstream. So yeah, there's a lot going on, Michael. I don't know if I can tell you one area, but there's just so much going on in healthcare in very positive direction. And I'm very hopeful that the that, future looks bright. That's, that's very interesting. So just like two of those things that you mentioned, because there are so many. Start with the first one from, from a uh, the perspective of democratization and the, the sort of the lack of clinicians within the pandemic, we've certainly seen an increase in telemedicine. How are these clinicians using chatbots and remote technology to support patients and increase their level of care? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, interoperability in, in this pandemic, all the folks who are involved talking about and trying to implement telehealth. What the pandemic did is it brought telehealth mainstream. Necessity is mother of all inventions. We had telehealth around for a long time, but it became really mainstream when pandemic hit. It was a learning on all sides, learning on side of the health systems to really deploy telehealth at scale, learning on the side of consumers or folks who want the healthcare service because, you know, healthcare, like having your physician on a call is much different than the touch, the touch and feel healthcare that you will get in a brick and mortar setting. And then this was quite a change for the physicians as well. I still feel like telehealth is evolving. I just, you can do basic visits on telehealth, cold cough, body pain, stuff, which is it's basic in terms of your needs. But I think telehealth is also evolving in models where I'm seeing a lot of like hybrid telehealth models where, you know, MAs and MAs and other type of resources are going out to patients' homes and connecting to a telehealth because now you're, they're also getting the vitals, doing the screenings and then connecting the physician who is at a central line directly. There's a lot of telehealth in mobile medical units and in remote areas that folks are doing. But there's a lot of remote patient monitoring led telehealth when you need more longitudinal care as opposed to episodic. Right? There's a lot of people who are on care management programs, disease management programs, diabetes, CKD, CHF, COPD. They, we send devices out to them where they are going to use these devices on an ongoing basis. We are constantly, the data is constantly being sent into the central console, which is letting a team of nurse practitioners as well as physicians know that what's going on. And if there are any anomalies on that data, that's when, you know, folks work on intervention. So I think there are different, for different use cases, there are different sort of modes of telehealth, which are being used. And I really feel in future, it's really going to be more hybrid as opposed to virtual only, where if the intervention is required, you can send a clinician to patient's home versus most of the times it will be virtual and interventions can be led through a remote video visit. Gotcha. That, that makes sense. And it gets to my second question, which related to, you mentioned wearables. 
And the fact that quite a few of us have Apple Watches, Fitbits, that sort of thing, which are giving some level of vitals in, in some minor way, or certainly tracking things over time, depending on what the capabilities of those devices are. What do you see as the next step for these wearable devices? Because you just mentioned some disease management where you have these long-term health issues that can be remotely monitored. Do you see these wearables coming into play where it's not just going to be long-term health folks that'll be having these kind of more sophisticated data management things coming from the wearable devices they have? Yeah, I really think wearables are really going to be central to all of our, to consumer healthcare in general. Everyone is going to have a device which will be constantly tracking, if nothing, then the vitals of the body. And then based off on your gene score or based off on what kind of sort of prediction we've got on your healthcare in future, what is that your risk on risk for? These variables are going to be tracking those particular vitals particularly. So I think the future of variables, at least from my perspective, is it's going to be continuous and it will be democratized for everyone. So we will have variables which will constantly pull data on all the consumers and then feed that into some level of, I don't know if that is led by big data or blockchain or whatever, but this data will be continuously fed and then anomaly will be the ones which where the clinical interventions will be driven to. And at least that's how I see this in the future. Right now, it's still getting there. There's a lot of work going on, but I don't think variables are central to how folks are managed remotely. But I have a feeling in the next 10 years, it's going to be more mainstream. Gotcha. Okay. So Here's the opportunity for you to so give us your bold prediction for that next wave of healthcare that providers need to be aware of and to be able to plan for to be able to care for their patients in the future. You mentioned some things about wearables. Go bold. What's the next wave? Where do you see this going? I think data and analytics is going to take a, a very strong seat and it will enable the physicians. I think what we see at the ground level is there are early adopting physicians who are early adopters of tech. They're ones who are buying the idea as they go. They're all burnt with the EMRs, right, which were implemented, which were supposed to help them, but turned into this massive administrative burden of documentation. So I truly feel in the future data, especially artificial intelligence, which includes NLP, where you really don't have to type it all. The goal, everyone in technology is, is one of their goals is to reduce physician burnout. So I really feel that's going to be central. A lot of NLP technology, so physicians can have regular conversation with their patients. Data will be recorded, stored, and they don't have to type it all up at the end of the day, spending three hours. I think all of that will go away. So NLP is going to be super critical. Disease progression, notification of diseases much earlier than today will be centralized, obviously, with both bringing genomics centrally, bringing genomics, making it more cost efficient and democratize that, as well as a combination of variables will lead to this continuous monitoring of large populations. So I think that's something that I truly feel in next decade will be real. I truly feel gene mutation works in gene mutation is there's a lot of work, a lot of investment going on in that area. And that's going to be centralized. At least I can see that in next decade. 
where you can, you'll be able, when the kid is born, you would know based off on the gene patterns and things like that, what the, what are the diseases that at which this particular person is, can get. And then that gene mutations will be centralized or will be done at a, at a more democratized way. Yeah. And then I don't know if this is bold, but I truly feel if once interoperability is centralized, a lot of, or is mandatory across the board and we have systems to support it, it will, it will really impact healthcare with the flow of data across the ecosystem. So at least these are some of the core things that I feel are going to be critical in the next 10, 10 to 15 years. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Mesh, thank you so much for your insights into the future of healthcare and the data, the technologies that are be central to you know, achieving better patient outcomes. So I'm excited to see how healthcare is going to change over the next X number of years, but your viewpoints on where things are now and where you see things going are very helpful. So I really want to thank you again for joining us today. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Very exciting conversation, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.